This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of The Overcomers, God's Vision for You to Thrive in an Age of Anxiety and Outrage, written and narrated by pastor and best-selling author Matt Chandler, and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Last summer, Chicago Cubs baseball player Ben Zobrist got thrown out of the game when he turned to the umpire and said, that's why we want an electronic strike zone. Who is a better witness to the truth? A person or a computer? This is Device and Virtue. Hello and welcome back to Device and Virtue, where we argue the rights and wrongs of technology in daily life. (laughs) (laughs) You're laughing. I'm Chris. I'm with Adam from Chicago. How are you doing, Adam? That tagline, I'm not sure about that. I'm doing well. That tagline just... We changed it. We did. We changed it. I'm still not sure about it. But we argue about the rights and wrongs of technology in daily life. I think we could spend 30 minutes arguing about the rights and wrongs of that tagline is what I think we could do. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's true. So the argue part is dead on. The argue part is dead on. I feel like up to the argue part, I agree with you. But after that, it's all... I think the part that's missing, clearly for you, is the Christian part. Oh, well, yeah. Uh, no, I just meant it. the way that you want to argue with me. Christian, oh, yeah. Christians. <laughs> yeah. If it has to be Christian arguing, I really can't do that. Uh, I, this is season two for us. We're starting yes. a new thing. And, All right. Uh, it's really good. And uh, I'm excited about, um, well, I was excited about the tagline, but I'm also excited about the topic, which uh, here's my question to you, and I can tell you why. But my question was, is technology a truer witness than a person? Yeah, this is going to be an interesting one because, I mean, obviously, no. People are better than technology. <laughs> the, uh, um, it, I have examples. Let me start out All with right. one. So is te- technology, like is tech a better witness than a person? Is it I like yeah, truer, like what are you more thinking true? about here? Yeah, so here I was watching baseball. It's... Uh, uh, we're recording October. It is baseball postseason. Oh yeah, I've been watching. I was watching the Cubs until they drowned themselves out of it, and I'm watching <laughs> the Brewers. Uh, and I like watching baseball. And of course, balls and strikes are called in every game. Yeah. And you know, baseball actually two years ago. I don't. I don't think you don't watch a lot of baseball, right? I I like to go to the park. Yeah, and right, right. experience the park. But uh, you know, just like two years ago, is it two years ago? Someone's going to correct me. The um, we added instant replay in baseball, so baseball was like the last right. sport to get instant replay. Yeah, and they have a limited version of instant replay. You can sort of do it once per game, really. And if you get it, the the manager can stand up and say, "You got to review that play." And if okay. you get it wrong, you're really not supposed. To, you can't do it again. And then there are certain plays that you can't review. So you can review a guy like sliding into third base and did he make it and did they take him out? Okay, but. And they, they go over and watch the video. The umps put on headphones in, the, in New York. They watch it slow on the video screen, and the guy is sliding back. You know, we're watching it on TV, too, and the guy's feet are kicking up dust and sliding slow past the bag, and they're zooming in to try to Wait, see. Wait, so everybody in... The only people that can review this are in New York City? Yeah, they're in New York. They beam the... the so the, the most video. reliable people are in New York. <laughs> That's what yeah, you're well, saying. We can talk about that too. Okay, but they, what they can't review—that's where the truer witnesses are. That's <laughs> New York City. In New York City. Okay, but the but they can't review balls and strikes. 
So every time okay. the pitcher throws to the batter, it's a ball or it's a strike. It's in the strike zone or not. Because that would an, be pedantic. And there's an umpire behind the plate, and he just calls ball or strike. Okay. So so I'm what there was a one or two really controversial calls in some of the playoff games recently where you know it was right. uh, the guy said it was a strike the player thought it was a ball and then of course a lot of argument ensues but it could cost the game and one right. game recently it cost like two runs earlier this summer there's a player on the chicago cubs my favorite team his name is zobrist ben zobrist and he's a christian he's really well known for being a christian actually okay. in baseball yeah, in fact his true. wife is a christian singer oh really uh, yeah totally and uh he like he's 37 years old he's been around for a long time he's played a lot of baseball been on multiple teams and uh he doesn't swear apparently like at all like oh, so man. when ums call balls and strikes wow, he's known he is for being Christian. really nice he leads a bible study on his teams this kind of thing so he he's played 1500 games and has never been thrown out of a baseball game for arguing wow and this is actually a thing because other players will get thrown out for yelling or arguing they get really angry this year right in the middle of the summer there was a called strike just boom down the middle of the plate and the ump called strike and he was out and he turned around and he said this is why we want an electronic uh balls and strikes and then he walked away and the ump threw him out of the game really for saying that for saying this is why we want a computer to call this <laughs> we want a robot ump and the ump well was like, i would be offended gone. too yeah, i'd throw right? him out too even if he was a christian that would be the christian thing to do throw him out of the game <laughs> So you think we watch baseball on TV and we see a square in the corner of the screen and we can see precisely where, because they have a computer trained right. on it. We can see where the ball lands, like precisely in or out. And it's accurate. It's like so, it landed in there. So now baseball is just an old school sport. People have to call it. I love. Uh, that's what I love about the game is it's old school. Yeah, right. It's old school. So, But is technology a truer witness than a person? In this case, mm. I think it is. So was it actually a strike? Yeah. So I didn't actually see the game. I read the news. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but Ben Zobrist gets called out on a legit strike and he takes issue with it. No, 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 no. You, he, it was wrong. Like the ump was dead wrong. Oh, the ump it was, was dead. obvious to everyone okay. was wrong, but you can't review it, like I said. And like the, the person got it wrong. And I'm saying the computer got it right and he knew it. Ben Zobris knew it. Ben Zobris knew it, yeah. But so did the computers. Everyone on TV, the guys were like, yeah, he was right, actually. that It really wasn't a good call by the um. And so, and then they lost the game, and the Cubs didn't make it to the World Series. Okay, do you want another example? I mean, what? no, but like, is that... Oh, the, oh no, that, no, no, they didn't. No, that that one, the game it, didn't, it didn't have really a matter. World Series effect, yeah. But, but just, he got kicked out of the game for the first so the, time, so it was got, historical. Yeah, it was, okay. yeah, right. But it just it's got me thinking about technology, like in this point of view of like, we have cameras and computers and things that can calculate things now. And I sort of says, is this, Yeah. can, so, can computers be better witnesses for things than right. people? And. Not only in this case a better witness, but it sort of becomes the judge, jury, and and verdict, or like, or or helps us do it. Like if they could, okay, maybe because if you mm -hmm. could see that a human being could verify it, see yeah. if the computer was wrong. It's a record that we appeal to, and we all agree that the record shows this versus. Yeah. I think I'm convincing that. you already. Do you want to? Can I give you a more serious example? Sure. So there was a court case in Chicago just recently that finished up, and I think you know about it. It uh -huh. was the shooting of Laquan McDonald. Right. He was a 17-year-old boy that was shot by a cop three yeah. years ago in okay. the street. 
and uh, and he was killed by the cop. The cop fired sixteen bullets and killed the the, uh, the kid. And he was um, he had been like trying to steal some radios for some cars. He was probably like on drugs. He's running on the street. So it was a very he was a young black man. The cop was white. It became a very racially charged right story in Chicago yeah. thing, and it made some a lot of national news too. But here's the thing that, and so we are watching the case. Here's the thing that really got me. We didn't know about the case until a year and a half later, and the reason was is because there was a video that no one knew about. The video was the dash cam video of the police, one of the police squad cars that had pulled up, right? And it showed what happened, and it shows Laquan McDonald sort of running and the shots being fired in him and him getting killed, and it's a really hard video to watch, right? The case didn't blow up until the video came out, and then it got over a million views on YouTube. So the case was already happening at that yeah, point. Yeah, like there was already and then the, the, the incident. And then the video was released. The video was released, and then it became a national story, and then it becomes a big thing. So he was eventually, all, the, the cop was already being tried for. He wasn't tried. It was just an administrative thing. And then when the video came out, it made it a big thing. And then the state prosecutor charged oh, the see. cop with murder. Okay. First time a cop has ever so, been so charged were, like that. They were already time. reviewing the case. Right. But it wasn't, it wasn't a big deal until the video got, got released. It. And the video got released because protesters were sort of trying to press for it. Mm-hmm. So, so all, all this happens. And I watched, we watched the jury deliberate. Like this was live on TV in Chicago and mm-hmm. they had different witnesses on the stands talking about what happened when the cops pulled up and, you know, they jumped out of their car and these two cops, different pulled witnesses, up. including other cops, other cops. And then there was like a, a guy and his son nearby on a corner. Okay. They saw it too. And so you have different people um, testifying, but all the cops on the scene had filled out witness forms and on the witness forms, they said, Hey, this teenager, Laquan McDonald had turned towards the cop and run to sort of run towards him with a knife. And That's, it was threatening okay. him, so the cop shot him because he was in danger. Right. When the actual video came out, it was clear that he wasn't running towards him. He was running away from him. Okay. And all the witness forms for the cops now suddenly seemed like those weren't true. Hmm. The video shows him running the other way from what the cops said. The uh, cops and the civilians? No, the civilians actually said the same thing as the video. The civilians sort of They conf- said the same thing confirmed, as the video. Confirmed the video, yeah. Interesting. So you had these, but we wouldn't have had that until the trial. So you have this whole trial. I'm watching this trial, and it's a, it's a, an important, it's an emotional trial. And I'm really struck. And then at the very end of the trial, the cop that shot him actually took the witness stand. And he tells his own personal story. And he says, I was scared. I jumped out of the car. I see the video where it's, it looks like he's walking away, but to me, he was running towards me. <laughs> and he, that's what he said. He's like, from my perspective, he was running yeah. towards me, and he raised the knight and waved it across his body, and I shot him. The jury went away for two days, and they came back, and they convicted the cop. They said he, he, murdered, he murdered the guy. They said second-degree murder, not first-degree murder. Okay. And the reason they said that is they said because he really did think in his head Ah, uh, interesting. That the kid was moving towards him and he was in danger. But all yeah. of the facts, they said the video, and they watched that dash cam video in the courtroom like hundreds of times. Huh. The facts seemed to show that he was moving away and he shouldn't have done it. Huh. Was the video, is technology a truer witness than a person? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's a fascinating question. Um and I think it's really interesting that they chose second degree versus first degree based on his own understanding of what was happening. Right, right. Um, like, 
there is something meaningful about how the person understands their own experience that is that is relevant to the actions that they take even if that perception sh- turns out to be skewed or wrong or however you want to put that like their actions are influenced by what they believe right yeah like yeah. And we have points of view mm-hmm. and and this is what he wound up arguing on the stand you know sort of saying my from my point of view and he's saying this is legitimate that you know this felt to me like this mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. you're right they took that into consideration but and yeah, and it was da- different than the digital camera. Yeah, and the dash cam has its own point of view. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So that's actually a really interesting point. It's, what do it's, you mean by that? Well, I th- I guess I mean it's an, it's an not an absolute point of view, but almost. It's the point of view that everyone else takes. Um, well, or... Or everyone else is given, I guess. Yeah, right, right. Um, you know the cop has his perspective and then there's another perspective that is that in this case we're we're calling the witness right because the like witness it, digital it, camera essentially yeah. it was it was a he said it said scenario <laughs> yeah right? right 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 exactly um and everyone else took the side of what it said and not what he said what's really fascinating is so you could sort of say well the technology everyone trusted the jury trusted the technology more than the cop. Mm-hmm. Right. But and now the cop has a vested interest in the outcome, you know. So there his uh his sure, he is a, witness is compromised on on some level. Right. And they went up saying that that other, you know, now the other cops in this case are actually being charged for potentially for false, they haven't been convicted yet but for a false witness for false witness in, in this case right yeah and so there's not gonna be another case there's gonna be another trial mm. but the interesting thing is that the the prosecution actually made another video so talking about technology they knew the video was gonna be so powerful they they hired a technology company and paid them fifty thousand dollars to make mm. a 3d rendered video of the exact same scene mm-hmm. but do it from Jason Van Dyke, that was the name of the cop. Do it from the cop's point of view. Okay. As he told it. Okay. They made a fake video, like an animation, essentially, like it zoomed in from the top of the trees and it showed like where his car pulled up. Okay. It's like, and they just said, this is what he was seeing. Yeah. This is his experience. And so what's interesting is that they built $15,000 technology animation, all this stuff, but the jury didn't buy that. They, they really bought sort of the, cause they said it was constructed. Right. And the defense successfully showed, well, if you made this, it isn't very accurate cause they showed that other things were missing in it. And so they realized the jury saw through that piece of technology and said that was constructed, but they really trusted sort of the digital camera. Yeah, they trust the other technology that is also constructing a record of what happened. So if you um, think, so these are my examples of like why I think, I started thinking like, I think technology, Adam, is like a better witness. And witness is a really interesting word, but a witness yeah. than a human being. And you start out by saying, no, <laughs> I think a person is, I think I have some pretty strong examples. They are. You're right. They're good examples, and I don't even think I disagree disagree with them as far as they go. <laughs> and I think we need to go beyond them a little bit and and ask like, what what are they missing? What are they what uh, mm-hmm. What are these video cameras um, not showing? Um, and I think. You've got the the truth, Adam. They show the truth. The, yes, you can't <laughs> handle the truth. <laughs> um, such a good movie. It is such a good movie. 
Do you know Aaron Sorkin wrote that script? I do know Aaron Sorkin wrote that shit. Thank you for the shout out to Aaron Sorkin. Yeah. Yeah. I I love every, everything Aaron Sork- Sorkin wrote. Anyways. Man, we just got rid of people real fast. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's their loss. Yeah. Um, where was I? I think with with the baseball example, like, yeah, there's there's two perspectives or three perspectives going on there. But like in the Laquan McDonald example, there's there's like deeper emotion and, and deeper realities at work in that. Yeah, for real. Um and I think what what do humans bring as witnesses to their event that video cameras can't or don't? Hmm. Um, when when people are bearing witness to something, what are they bringing to it that uh, a video camera isn't? And we might call that subjectivity, and we might say that a video camera is more objective. But like witnesses also bring a conscience; they bring. Hmm a sense of right and wrong. Mm. They bring a sense of a desire for justice um, and a desire to uh, see justice happen. But there's also a reality wherein like witnesses are broken people and they have sinful desires and they have, um, they have just faults in memory and, uh, the ability to see everything that's happening. Um, and we say that that's how a video camera is better. Um, yeah, they say like in crisis situations, um, people actually start, like they, their memory isn't good. Like mm-hmm. a, whatever chemical mm-hmm. is flooding their brain mm-hmm. makes it really hard to have short-term memories. Mm-hmm. So camera can sort of do it better. Like, yeah, but what's lost in um, moving from a human witness to a virtual witness. Well, yeah, the idea of conscience is really good. <laughs> like someone is an almost like the person as a witness is and, an ethical presence mm-hmm. in a place, whereas a camera is like this. Mm. Yeah, and and it's an interesting question for a jury to trust a device versus an individual like like the the idea of trust is a relational one and um what is the what's the relationship that the jury has with a device that they're such that they're putting their trust in it yeah what's interesting is and i was actually chatting about this with a theology professor uh, just a few hours ago uh, and I was sort of telling him this example I was going to tell you about Uh and he said no device is in like you're in conversation with other people he said the same thing trust is a relational concept yeah Um, and there's a community involved not just an individual so when I think about the jury for Laquan McDonald I think well they didn't actually just trust any device because they didn't trust the three D fifty thousand dollar beautiful yeah. model that was made. It wasn't right. like they were just trusting technology. There was there was another relational component going on. For some reason, they mistrusted the motives, intent, or something of this technology, and they trusted the motives and intent of other technology. And those mm-hmm. are relational things. Mm-hmm. Those mm-hmm. are human things, right? Yeah, I think, and I think 
we have to get at those relationships to sort of begin to understand what what we're talking about with witness and how how these things are bearing witness. So when I knew we were going to talk about this question of witness, um, my mind immediately went to the ninth commandment. You know, there's 10 commandments. Oh. This is number nine. Yes. The anti-penultimate commandment. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that was really complicated. Yeah, that was really complicated. The ninth commandment. The ninth commandment. Thou shalt not bear false witness. That's the KJV. The yeah. shalt not. Right, right, right. Um, and it makes me wonder in the context of like before they had video cameras and this, (laughs) this question of false witness and, and this question of how people, um, come to be assured of what they're witnessing. Like if, if, if the cop witnessed it one way and believed that he was experiencing it one way, like that's his witness. And as far as he knows, he is bearing true witness to his experience. Mm -hmm. Um, And like you said, in intense experiences like this, people tend to remember things in different ways. Mm -hmm. Um, So then that's not necessarily like, they're trying to get away with it. It's just like that's what they actually believe happened. Um, and and they're bearing what they believe to be true witness in an event. And so like before we were relying on video cameras to, you know, bear witness, what did it mean for people to to bear witness in a way that they believed was true if if their memory is faulty, if their, if their experience is faulty, like, and if that's true, then how, what was the purpose of, of a commandment like this, um, to encourage people to bear true witness to what was happening? Um, and I, so I think it kind of goes to this question of, you know, there's, there's just, there's, what we call sinfulness, but there's also just like creatureliness. There's, you know, not the intent to do, to be false, but just the brokenness that comes by being a human being. Yeah. The limit, the limitation of the limitations. Yeah. So then if, if we're using the device to overcome both sinfulness and creatureliness, um, Like I that I I understand that, and when I think about the the ninth commandment, I think about it in the sinfulness category. Sure, but I've never really thought about it in the creatureliness category. Well, this, they're both really good. I mean, this is so the sinfulness would be like lying, right? Like how I think about the, yeah. the commandment, like, like with with motive to, yeah, to bear to false deceive. witness to right. get something that you want through injustice. Right, right, and that we certainly see that happening all around us. Right. Like people lie. And and we wonder about these other cops who were bearing witness to right. what was happening right. and they were all sort of right. agreeing with what was happening yep. with his point of view like what happened. Right. 
until like, the video came out. And right. we, we all kind of wonder, like, are they bearing false witness? Right, right. And um, so we might say this is the, maybe if they prove that it's against they lied. Yeah, it's not that's breaking perjury. the commandment. Right. <laughs> like, um, um, but their creatureliness, like their limitations, like I get that. Like I hear you because I can't. Like I mean, I blink. Like I can't keep a steady, <laughs> you know. Like I can't right. keep a steady gaze one hundred percent of the time. I mean, it's a fun game, but it's really hard to do. Yeah, uh, uh, you're missing me trying to keep a really steady gaze at you across the table here. Uh, yes. Or the or the, like my you know my ears or the different ways we have five senses to witness things, you know. Um, but but I don't get it always right, and I might get it in crisis, and so. I think those limitations, what do we do with those limitations? Are those good limitations as a creature? Um, Are they broken limitations of the fall? Well, I want to say they're not because that's how God made us. And so we traditionally would say in theology, right, the sin of the the broken things, the things that will be redeemed and restored. Right. Whereas the creaturely things, we don't become like God Mm -hmm. later. We don't. We (laughs) we won't see all things and have a perfect no right and sometimes you hear christians talk like that like heaven you'll know all these things or be able to see (laughs) five thousand miles in the distance but i now now we've lost more listeners (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah uh, but yeah i don't know where you see that in scripture i think we do have remade bodies and maybe that's what people think of where they Mm -hmm. think of being able to um know truths from the god who made us but not that we know everything so that creaturely limits a real thing about being a witness a person can't always report everything yeah so i think part of my question around this this commandment is what was the goal of this commandment like how was it i think i think part of it is they were trying to build a a, a community a people of god that could be trustworthy, could be trusted, and that people could rely on that community to bring about justice. And so if if we're saying that people can misconstrue their own experience and um, inadvertently bear false witness, um, that really challenges my thinking. But I think... Uh, but I'm trying to get at what's what's the goal of of do not bear false witness. Like, what's the benefit for the community? What's the benefit for the individuals of that community if they know that they can trust that witness and that witness are telling the truth when they're bearing witness? Well, I, yeah, I mean the justice piece that you were saying before, I think it's the reflection of justice and truth, which reflects a just God, a community that looks and acts like God would that look and act. So then when we bring a device into it in our modern experience, um, how does that support or undermine the community that we're trying to build? Well, one thing I was just thinking about, and I think the community aspect's really important because what you're talking about is this isn't just an individual command but it's sort of thing that shapes a people yeah um but i was when you're thinking about the ways that people have witnesses i was thinking there were other witness texts in scripture so you bring up the ninth commandment yeah um i was thinking of like uh, there are other texts about that you need two or three witnesses to establish a truth right. um like it starts in deuteronomy um, i think it's deuteronomy uh, 19 i'm gonna probably look it up and figure that out uh yeah, Deuteronomy nineteen. I just looked at my note, but also like 
um, you know, I think of First Timothy five nineteen that says, and that's because I do have my note right here, so I just remember <laughs> the verse that says like the um, you shouldn't entertain an accusation against a pastor against an elder um, without two or three witnesses. Okay, and and then Jesus like so that I mean that's the New Testament, and Jesus even quotes this like in Matthew eighteen when he talks about bringing another person with you to confront someone as to having another witness, yeah, to establish the truth of something, right. Right. Um, actually, I was reading a commentary on that, and I was noticing like one one Bible scholar was saying when they sent out uh, people two by two to witness the disciples seven. So the reason you did that is because Jewish law was yeah. you had to have two witnesses minimum yeah. to establish a truth. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. I've never linked that. So, do you think that the idea of having two witnesses was in part to over or to compensate for that creatureliness? Yeah, I wonder if it's both. Maybe it's maybe it's God's instruction to overcome sinfulness, like yeah. lying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but also creatureliness that maybe we don't always get it right. But when you have two or three, mm-hmm. as the text says, that we can start to trust that that we add it together and right. sort of and and, it's and a, it requires a community, not just an individual. Right, and it it builds it builds up the community, um, and it makes me think when we go back to that question of are we trusting the witness? Or are we trusting the device? Like, what was the jury putting their faith in? Like, um, the device is, you know, built by a whole community of people and the, you know, it's it's doing its work and it's coming to light. I mean, it had been buried for a long time before it came to light. So, like, we're all sort of relying on this device to sustain the trust within the society. The interesting thing, I really like, (laughs) I hope I'm catching your thought, but what I'm thinking of when you're saying it is that the jury, you just mentioned the case and there was more than people, more than one person. You're talking about the community and like you actually have like, I don't don't know how many, 12 people on the jury that all did interpret what the device gave them and made a judgment about it. And so it actually wound up being a community exercise, even though in the middle of that, there was this technology. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's really interesting that there was an, actually an ethical judgment by a community of people together around that report. Mm-hmm. Um, part of me may, makes me think that the the role of witness, whether technology or human in general, from, from a Christian point of view, always links to a role of community. The, the community validates witness together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think people do have to trust, I guess, the device. But the interesting thing I was thinking about is the jury, 12 people, right? Not just one person. And the device doesn't just stand in on its own. It stands in just whatever the point you've been making. A community actually took the witness from a device. But but they were, you talked about a witness being having a conscience before or bringing a human being, bringing their their whole presence into it. Right. Interpretation. Right. And and that's what the jury even did in that case. So there was a technology involved, but in the reality is the, the jury became witnesses of that witness yeah. and they made a decision about it. Yeah, that's interesting. It's It's an observer more than a witness. You know, actually, when I was looking this up, I, I found witness.org. Okay. And it's actually a justice website. They're like, their whole tagline is like, like um, you know, film it, change it. Like using your phone camera for justice situations, like to take a, okay. you know, a photo maybe of, maybe of a cop doing something wrong or someone else hurting someone else, like take a, yeah. take a video because yeah. everyone has a phone in their pocket. And I thought, oh, what do I think about that? Is that good? Is that, is that like just what you're saying? Is that putting the device mm-hmm. right in the middle of it? 
And and if the person is there witnessing it, it's 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 saying, don't oh don't don't take time to observe it. Take time to pull out your phone and videotape it. Well, well, no, but it's also saying, see, you're looking at that negative. I just thought like that actually is really good because it's sort of taking the strength of the technology that we've built sort of the precision mm-hmm. and also taking the strength of the person. So like, I, I think there's a media bias on these two things as we've been talking this out. I, and I don't think you actually know where you totally land on this, right? Yeah, that's true. And, and, and I don't totally know either, but uh, you know, we, you and I often say that different media forms have biases. It's not just ethics. Nothing's neutral, right? Uh, <laughs> but they don't automatically, it's not automatically right or wrong. And I think like sort of a video camera or an audio recorder has greater precision like it gets it, that video okay. takes, sees everything, you know, or the, if you've ever heard an audio recorder of your voice and you hear all your ums or you're talking in a conversation or all your punctuation mistakes. God help us. Uh, it's really precise. But those recorders don't have the sense of compassion or justice that a human does. Like if I, if I'm, if there was a transcript of you talking, maybe it would have a lot of ums. But if I'm listening to you talking, I'm hearing your intent and mm-hmm. your meaning. And my brain is actually filtering out those ums. People don't even notice them. Like, right. I notice what you mean. Yeah. So and there's an interpretation that's happening, and we're getting at the meaning, not just the transcript. And so maybe something like witness.org, if there's a person witnessing it and trying to do justice, love mercy and do justice but also puts along this technology on the side that's more precise, but then also the person's compassion. Could these two, two things be together? I think that sounds great. <laughs> I think that sounds like a, a beautiful ideal. I know that when I take my phone out, I am removed from the experience itself oh, I see, yeah. as well. And I become less of a witness, a less reliable witness, I would say. What, once the video comes, once oh, the, see now you were swinging over to this other idea you and I were talking out. right before but we that's, started recording that noetic response. How do we internalize technologies that are around us, and does it change? How, how do they change how we think yeah, and how, how we perceive thinking. the world? Yeah, yeah. So if there's a camera on the wall, do we change differently? If I'm holding a phone, does it yeah, change me? Yeah. Yeah. I think this is hard. I think we've come up with a fairly hard topic, <laughs> which like there is something a better witness than the other. I don't know if it is. Um, there. They're witnesses in different ways mm-hmm. with different strengths and different weaknesses on both sides. Although I still think balls and strikes wise, we might be ready for a computer calling them. <laughs> uh, yeah, but that's only because he's a Christian. <laughs> I don't care about that. <laughs> okay, Chris, we've changed some things for season two, but one thing we haven't changed is vice or virtue. Oh, it's time. Yes, it's time. All right, I've got the vice or virtue. Jury duty, vice or virtue? <laughs> uh, I've never served at a jury, and I'm super disappointed about it. <laughs> I don't know if I've moved too many times, and they've never like mailed me or anything, but like I've never gotten You're to do it. You're skirting the law. So I think it's a virtue, <laughs> which I've never participated in. I, have, I, have I no also virtue. have never participated in it. If I ever do... I'm taking John Grisham's book, The Runaway Jury, with me, and I will be reading it while <laughs> they ask me questions. You'll be dismissed immediately. It'll, <laughs> it'll be great. It'll be awesome. So, uh, but yes, that's a virtue. 
Absolutely. Well, we had a virtue and a virtue. We had so a virtue that's and not virtue. All, that doesn't just happen all the time. Yeah. We also didn't really conclude our... Uh, we didn't reach any conclusions with this session. So that's kind of... I don't know if we often have. Too. But what we, what we were talking about is, is technology a truer witness than a person? It is a good discussion. We'll it's a digging. tough discussion. Thanks for talking about it, Adam. God help us. Hey, let's keep the conversation going. I think it's an argument. Okay. Tweet to us at Device Virtue. And for links and show notes, check us out at deviceandvirtue.com. And do leave us some love by rating us on iTunes. Yeah, please do. This episode was brought to you in part by the Table Podcast at Dallas Theological Seminary. Listen to rotating hosts discuss issues of God and culture to demonstrate theology's relevance in everyday life. Find it on your podcast app. For videos and more, visit dts.edu podcast.